Let's turn, please, in God's Word this morning to the New Testament and to Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. Paul's letter to the Philippians. And we're going to read this morning from the opening chapter, the chapter 1, reading from the opening verse of the chapter. Paul's letter to the church at Philippi, chapter 1 and reading from the opening verse. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons. Grace be unto you and <coughs> peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you all, making request with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more, in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offence till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, unto the glory and praise of God. But I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest 
in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bones, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. Amen. We'll end our reading there at verse 18. And we know the Lord will bless again the public reading of his word to each of our hearts for his own name's sake. <coughs> and this morning we're going just to think a little concerning what Paul revealed to the church at Philippi with regard to his prayer life for them. And we could take the verses 3 and 4 as our text, although... We'll be looking at the surrounding verses or the verses that continue after that. But you'll see in verse 3 that Paul pointed out to the church at Philippi that he was praying for them. In verse 3 he wrote, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making request with joy we'll just take a moment to seek the lord in prayer and let's come again just before the lord and ask the lord to speak to us personally and individually even through his word even as you think upon beginning your own week of prayer here in the congregation that we might be reminded even from god's word even concerning prayer and what we can learn from paul's prayer life even for the church at Philippi. Heavenly Father, we just still our hearts before thee once again in the attitude of prayer. We thank thee today for thy word. We thank thee thy word is truth. And we thank thee even as we read from this particular letter to the church at Philippi. We thank thee that Paul was not just simply or merely writing his own words. But oh, we thank thee what he penned to this church. He was moved by thy spirit to even pen these words. We thank thee therefore that these words are applicable to us today. We thank thee they have a message for us as thy people in our day. And for thy people here in this particular congregation. So I pray that thou wilt speak to me afresh <coughs> through thy word today. And that thou wilt speak through me. Fill me afresh with thy spirit. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul wrote this particular letter at first to the church that was found at 
Philippi. And from the opening verses of this particular letter, we learn not only that there were the people of God in Philippi, but that there was a congregation of God's people found in Philippi. You'll see there in the opening verse that Paul addresses the letter to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi. And of course, the word saint in the scripture is a title which every saved sinner can take. It's simply a word that means we've been set aside by God and we have been separated unto him and saved by his grace that we might become holy just as he who hath called us to himself is holy. But you will see that Paul also makes mention in the opening verse of the bishops and the deacons. And that reveals to us that there was a congregation of God's people that met together in Philippi. The word bishop there is the same word that is translated in other places in the New Testament by the word elder. The word that also means overseer. And we of course refer to the minister as the teaching elder. And then of course there are the ruling elders. You will find an occasion in Paul's ministry in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 20. Where he called for the elders of the congregation that was found at Ephesus. And in Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. He exhorted those elders to take heed to themselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost had made them overseers. And it's the same word. Whether it's bishop or elder or overseer, they have all to do with the same office. And so there were bishops in the congregation that met together in Philippi, and there were also deacons. And while the bishops or the elders or the overseers, according to the teaching of God's word, while they take the oversight and the spiritual responsibility, we learn from the word of God that the deacons, they take responsibility for the temporal needs of the work of God. In our denomination, we know them as committee men, but deacons is the word in the scripture. And you may remember in the book of Acts in the chapter 6, where the apostles came together and called the church together, that they might appoint men that were to be deacons, that were to oversee, first of all, at that point, the daily ministration, which the church uh, ministered to the widows, providing food for them. And so they had responsibility for the temporal needs of the work of God, that the apostles and indeed the elders might give themselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So Paul was writing this particular letter to a congregation of God's people. You meet together here today as a congregation of God's people. And Paul was writing this letter to a similar group of people. The people of God who met together at Philippi. Along with the oversight in the church. The bishops and the deacons. 
And he was writing from prison. He was imprisoned for the cause of Christ as he wrote this letter. You'll find there in the verse 13 of chapter 1 that he makes mention of his bonds in Christ. He was imprisoned. Not because he was a common criminal, but he was imprisoned for the cause of Christ. And I think it's very significant that Paul wrote this letter to the church at Philippi from his imprisonment. Because when he had went to Philippi at first with the gospel, he found himself on that occasion. The first time he went to Philippi, you can read of it in Acts chapter 16, and he and Silas ended up in prison again for the cause of Christ. And here's Paul many years later, and he's imprisoned again for the cause of Christ. And he was moved by God to write this letter to the congregation of God's people that were found at Philippi. And though Paul wrote it first to the congregation at Philippi, because what he wrote is part of God's word, it therefore has relevance for us this morning. It is relevance for you this morning as a congregation of God's people. And as I've already indicated, this morning we want to think just a little concerning Paul's prayer life. Even there in prison, his prayer life for this particular congregation of God's people at Philippi. He told them what he was praying for them. And he did so that we might even learn concerning our prayer lives. What we can pray for ourselves as God's people this morning and what we can pray even for our fellow believers. And as we say there in verses 3 and 4, Paul was able to tell the people at Philippi that he thanked God for them, as he remembered them. And he was always in every prayer of his making requests for them with joy. And as we think concerning Paul's prayers for the church at Philippi, there are two things I want us to ponder for a few moments this morning. First of all, that Paul's prayers for the church at Philippi involved praise and then involved petition. And if we consider, first of all, Paul's praise to God as he offered prayer for God's people in Philippi, you will see again in those verses 3 and 4 that he indicates that he thanks God as he remembers God's people in the church at Philippi. And even as he makes request, he does so with joy. And so as he <coughs> offered prayer to God for God's people in Philippi, it involved offering praise to God. You will discover as you read through this particular letter that Paul on quite a number of occasions makes mention of rejoicing. Here in chapter 1, down in the verse 18, as he has spoken of those who preached Christ, some with a wrong motive, others with a sincere motive, 
He says in verse 18 of chapter 1, What then, notwithstanding, every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice. Yea, and will rejoice. So even in this, Paul is praising God. In verse 26 of the chapter, one, he also writes that you're rejoicing. That is the rejoicing of God's people in Philippi may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. And he keeps emphasizing the matter of rejoicing, praising God, praising God himself and desiring that God's people in Philippi might also be marked out as those who were praising God even in the midst of difficult situations. And so as Paul opens the letter here in chapter 1, and as he tells God's people in Philippi that he is praying for them, he emphasizes the fact that in his prayers to God for them, he praises God. He has cause to rejoice. And you will see there in verses 4 and 5, Always in every prayer of mine for you all, making request with joy, verse 5, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, here's something he praised God for in prayer as he offered up prayer for God's people in Philippi. As he prayed for them, he remembered the very first day that he had met some of them in Philippi. And it caused him to praise God not only for the first day that he encountered some of them in Philippi, on his missionary journey, but for the fellowship that he had enjoyed with them right through until this present day when he was writing to them from his imprisonment in Philippi. Now that word fellowship means to share something in common. And he speaks there of their fellowship in the gospel. They had something in common. And it was something in common connected with the gospel. The good news concerning Christ as the saviour of sinners. And Paul had something in common with God's people in the church at Philippi. Yes, he was the one who had taken the gospel to them in the first place. And there were those there who had received it. And therefore Paul and them had this in common. Not only had Paul at a point in his life come to hear the gospel and then to embrace the gospel and to receive Christ as his saviour, but they too in Philippi had heard the gospel. And they had come to embrace the gospel, to turn from sin and to receive Christ as their saviour. And therefore Paul and they had something in common. Though there may be, have been many things which were different about Paul and the people in Philippi, they had this in common. 
they had embraced the gospel. They had received Christ as their saviour. In the verse 7 of chapter 1, Paul makes mention at the end of verse 7, Ye all are partakers of my grace. There was something that they shared in common. And it was the grace of God in their lives. There were times when Paul had been even in Philippi for the first time. And when souls had been saved where they could share together in the worship of the Lord. In the book of Acts and the chapter 2 concerning the early New Testament church. And those who had been saved on the day of Pentecost. We are told in Acts chapter 2 and the verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine and fellowship. And in breaking of bread and in prayer. There was something that they shared in common. And today as you and I are found here In the house of God. If we're saved this morning. There are many things that are different about each of us. With different personalities. We may come from different backgrounds. Many different situations we face in life. But there's one thing that every saved sinner has in common. That is not only have we heard the gospel. Not only have we heard that we are sinners in need of salvation. But we have been brought to turn from our sin and to receive Jesus Christ as our Savior. That's something we have in common. We have fellowship in the gospel. That's something we ought to praise God for. You know, many times the flesh and, of course, the devil wants us to see what there might be that is different about us, that might even be cause for division. But Paul reminds us that we ought to Praise God for what we have in common. Our fellowship in the gospel. That we can come together with those of like precious faith. And we can worship together. And we can witness together. And we can work for the Lord together. And when we think of our fellowship in the gospel. What we have in common is the fact that we have a relationship with God. Through the Lord Jesus Christ. When... The Apostle John was writing his first letter in 1 John chapter 1. And these words, no doubt, will be very familiar to us all. But as he wrote his letter in 1 John 1 and verse 3, he wrote these words. That which we have seen, and he had seen the Saviour, and heard, he had heard the Saviour. Declare we unto you, for what purpose? That ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. If we're saved today, we can have fellowship one with another because we have fellowship with God and with the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been brought into the family. Of God. In that same chapter of 1 John 1 and the verse 7, 
John went on to write these words, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. What a blessing, what a reason to praise God today, if you're saved, that you have fellowship with God, and therefore you can have fellowship with fellow believers. And as Paul wrote this letter to the church at Philippi, as he remembered right back to the first day which he refers to in chapter 1 verse 5, it gave him in his heart reason to praise God as he prayed for God's people in Philippi. And I'm sure that Acts chapter 16 is a chapter that is familiar to you. And as you, if you want to turn to it, you can. But as you think back to what happened in Acts 16, when Paul and his companions went <coughs> to Philippi for the first time, the first day that Paul and his companions went out, it was the Sabbath day. And as you think of what happened on that particular day, right through Acts 16, no doubt Paul had in his mind, first of all, down there by the riverside, where they found the group of women. That place where prayer was wont to be made. And as Paul and his companions shared the gospel with those women, it speaks of Lydia, whose heart the Lord opened. She attended on to the things that were spoken by Paul. And she professed her faith in Christ. She was baptized and immediately she wanted Paul and his companions to come to her home. Because she now had something in common with him. She had come to trust the Savior. And no doubt Paul remembered that day now as he wrote this letter to the church at Philippi. And as he praised God for the fellowship he enjoyed since that day. Even with that woman called Lydia. No doubt Paul also remembered that damsel who was possessed with the evil spirit. And you remember how she followed after Paul and his companions. Until Paul in the name of the Lord Jesus commanded the evil spirit to come out of that damsel. And no doubt that memory also caused Paul to rejoice and to praise God in prayer as he thanked God for God's people there at Philippi. And then, of course, Paul would have recalled how he and Silas had ended up in prison. They had been beaten. They had been put in prison because those who had made money from that damsel who had been possessed by the evil spirit, well, they weren't too pleased. Paul and Silas had ended up in prison. And yet even there in God's great purpose. You remember the earthquake came. And remember the jailer. He was about to take his own life. Paul called out that he should do himself no harm. He came in trembling. He fell down before Paul and Silas. He said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they were able to tell him, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. And he believed on the Lord with his house, with his family. And no doubt as Paul here 
Praise God in prayer as he wrote this letter. He remembered that occasion too. These particular things are very familiar to us in Acts 16. But to think of what happened and for Paul. To have been there and to have been God's instrument. And now all these years later as he thanks God. For God's people in the congregation that was formed there. As he remembers their fellowship in the gospel from the first day on till now. Oh, what reason Paul had to praise God in prayer. How does this apply to us this morning? If we're saved. You see Paul of course could remember that day on the Damascus road as well when the Lord saved him. Otherwise he would never have ever been in Philippi as a missionary. And you and I this morning that are saved, we can look back to that time, whether it was many years ago, whether it was only a short time ago, whether we were young, whether we were older, we can look back to that time when the Lord saved us. And we come into fellowship with the God of heaven and with his Son. And we began to enjoy fellowship with other believers. We have reason to praise God this morning. And we maybe can then look back over the years. Maybe we can think of people that we prayed for and now they're saved. People that we witnessed to and now they're saved. We may think of people in our families. People that we've worked with. People in our neighborhood. We may look around us in the congregation and see other believers. Have we not reason, therefore, to praise God as we pray for one another? As we pray even for our Sister congregations, we have reason to praise God that we're saved. That we have believers we can have fellowship with. There are some of God's people in some parts of the world today. And maybe they're the only believer in a wide area. And there are those who, even though they may have fellow believers, they can't come together in a fashion such as we do this morning, in a public fashion. There'll be not reason to praise the Lord. Maybe today you're not saved. And yet if you're not saved, you have reason to praise God that you've heard the gospel. That you know how you can be saved. But still how important that you come and turn from your sin and trust the Saviour. That you might even have greater reason to praise the Lord not only in time but for all eternity. Paul then, as he wrote this letter to the church at Philippi, as he assured them he was praying for them, he assured them he had reason to praise God in prayer for them. And of course, no doubt, he wanted them to continue to pray for him and praise God even for what God had done in their lives through Paul's ministry. Not that Paul may take glory, but because of what the Lord had done through him, even for them. But then I want you to see, secondly, that not only did Paul in his prayers praise God, but Paul in his prayers made petition to God. When we come before the Lord in prayer, yes, we have reason to praise him, but we also come to ask of God. And of course that was the case with Paul. And if you come back here in Philippians chapter 1. 
You will see in the verse 4 that Paul assures God's people in Philippi that he was always in every prayer of mine for you all. Making request with joy. And when you come down to verse 9, from verse 9 to 11, Paul begins to reveal in a little more detail exactly what requests he was making for them as he prayed to God for them. And of course we can take the very same requests that Paul prayed for the church at Philippi and pray these requests for ourselves and for others, for our fellow believers. Look there at verse 9 of Philippians chapter 1. Verse 9, And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. Paul is really in his prayer from verse 9 to 11, praying for the spiritual growth and maturity of the believers in the congregation at Philippi. And he begins by praying that they might have abounding love. That your love might abound more and more. Obviously it was a love they already had if it was going to abound more and more. As believers they had love for God in his three persons. We can say with John, if we're saved, we love him. That is, we love the Lord because he first loved us. And yet our love for the Lord can grow. His love for us, it's a perfect love. He can't love us any more than he does love us. But our love is so imperfect. And therefore Paul prayed for God's people at Philippi that their love might abound yet more and more. Their love for the Lord first. And foremost. But what about their love for their fellow believers? And the congregation at Philippi, that could also grow and increase and abound more and more. And of course, as God's word reminds us, we're not merely to love in word, but also in deed. The Lord Jesus told his disciples in John 13, <laughs> 34, and 35, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have loved one to another. And of course the Lord Jesus said, if ye love me, keep my commandments. So when our love abounds, it's something we're to pray for. It's something Paul prayed for the church at Philippi, that their love for the Lord might abound, their love for their fellow believers, and of course their love for lost sinners that would lead them to keep praying and keep witnessing in John's first letter there are some very heart searching and challenging words concerning even our love for one another as the Lord's people and it says over there in 1 John chapter 4 and the verse 11 first of all when we think of God's love for us Beloved, if God so loved us, and of course the verse before speaks of God's love, that he sent the Son to be the propitiation for our sins. 
Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. To think of God's love for us that caused him to send the Son to be the propitiation for our sins. We ought therefore to love one another as the people of God. In chapter 3, in the verse 18 of 1 John, it says, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And as you read the whole epistle, it's heart searching. We're to think of God's love for us and model our love for one another upon God's love for us. And of course, we fall so far short when we think of that. But it's something we can pray about. Just as Paul <laughs> prayed for the church in Philippi that their love might abide, so that our love might abide. It was to be a discerning love. He prayed that their love might abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. The word means in all discernment. A discerning love. It led Paul in chapter 3 and the opening three verses to warn God's people in Philippi about false teachers. You see, some people in the world think love is all about just everyone getting on and that's it. But Paul, because he had a love for God's people at Philippi, he had to warn them against false teachers. And he was praying, therefore, that they might have a discerning love. That their love might abound more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. He also prayed, when you move into verse 10, that they might approve things that were excellent. That they might discern what was for their good, spiritually above all. And that they might be taken up with those things. He also prayed that they might be living in the light of the Lord's coming again. Because he, in verse 10, told them he was praying that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offence till the day of Christ. He wanted them to live in the light of the fact that Christ is coming back again. And we should give account to him, even as the Lord's people. And he was praying that they might be sincere, that there might be nothing deceitful or hypocritical about their behaviour, that they might be without offence in the sense that they didn't deliberately go out to give offence to people. Now we know, of course, that many take offence at the gospel. That's different. But as Paul himself said in Acts 24 and 16, he exercised himself to have always a conscience void of offence <coughs> toward God and toward man. He was praying that they wouldn't be a stumbling block to others coming to the Saviour. As we said, people might take offence at the truth. That's a different matter. We can't help that in a sense. We've got to proclaim the truth even if people are offended at it. But we don't live lives that would give offence in the sense of living lives that are dishonourable to the Lord. That's what Paul was praying for God's people in Philippi. And that's therefore what we can pray for ourselves and for one another. 
And in verse 11, I encourage you to look at these verses in more detail here, as it were, just skimming over them. But in verse 11, you'll see, he also requested in his prayer that they might become more like Christ in their character. And of course, we could say all these things are connected. Because in verse 11, he was praying, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ. Unto the glory and praise of God. He was praying that they might become more like Christ. That more of the fruit of the Spirit might be seen in their lives. We may think of the words of the Saviour. Let your light so shine before men. That they may see your good works. And glorify your Father which is in heaven. The Lord Jesus as he went about his ministry. He brought glory to his Father. In heaven, and so we are to do the same. And as we say, these requests which Paul was making for God's people in the church at Philippi. Oh yes, he rejoiced in his remembrance of them. He praised God. And now he makes petition for them. We can take these same requests. And we can pray them for ourselves as believers. We can pray that our love for the Lord and for one another and for the lost might abide. That we might have a discerning love. That we might approve those things that are excellent. That we might be taken up with those things that are for our spiritual well-being. That we might live those lives that are sincere and without offence. That we might live in the light of the day of Christ's return. That we might be filled with the fruits of righteousness. That we might become more like that we might bring glory to the Lord. We'll never be sinlessly perfect in this life. We'll never be sinlessly perfect until the Lord glorifies us. But we can pray that we might be the best that saved sinners can. You know, Paul was able to say, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Without him we can do nothing. But through him we can do all things. And so in our prayer lives, each day, throughout this year, we can even pray over words like this. Pray that we might grow in grace. That we might grow spiritually. And maybe today, you're not seen. Your prayer ought to be a prayer for, for mercy. You ought to be asking the Lord for forgiveness salvation you ought to be calling upon him for salvation that's the priority in your life and once you do that you can take everything else to the Lord in prayer may the Lord write his word upon our hearts this morning for his own name's sake